Mark chapter 14. We have looked at um, Jesus praying and people falling asleep and such. So we're going to back up one verse into that paragraph in Mark 14 to verse 40, well, two verses, verse, uh, uh, verse 41. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of, angel, uh, of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, in a very different spin on most movies or books you have seen, instead of, here come the bad guys, arise doesn't mean let's get out of here. Jesus was arrested because Jesus allowed them to arrest him. He could have called angels. He could have called the zealots. He could have called his apostles and disciples. If the community would have heard, they would have come and saved him. The only reason Jesus, the only reason the Romans and the leaders of the temple got away with this is because Jesus let them. We need to remember this. Other gospels will actually give you a lot more insight here. The gospel of John in particular. We're going to go to that one after we finish the book of Mark, which won't be too long. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Remember, we've got to get the geography right. Jesus went up to pray. There were his three closest buddies were a bit separate from him. Then separate from them were the other disciples. Now comes the mob, armed with clubs and swords. Now, why would they come? I've had people ask, so heavily armed. They, they thought Jesus was going to lead an armed insurrection, at least some of them. They knew that some of his followers were armed, as at least one of them was on that particular night, most likely two, if I'm reading uh, the grammar correctly. Yet, Jesus wasn't armed. He's the Prince of Peace. They didn't get it. The apostles didn't get it. Nobody got it. So that's why they're showing up like this. Now, the reason I want to keep, pe keep people out and away from each other is because it is nighttime, and you are used to nighttime movies and TV shows where you can see stuff. You know, here's the, here's the, the battle at night, and you don't see anything but flashes and hear noises. That's not interesting. So even though it's night, it's more twilight on your, on your movie screen, isn't it? You get to see everybody moving about. You get to, um, some of them might be in green uh, color because they're wearing night vision, but normally not even that. I watched a show yesterday, if I could remember the name of it, I would tell you, where they were supposed to be running out of this building in the middle of the night, and it was as bright as 7 o'clock in Tennessee on a summer. And I'm going, well, there they are. <laughs> it's kind of like the old Starsky and Hutch show, whenever they would say, let's pull up and watch them, and you know, 30 feet away from this bad guys is a cherry red and white car. And my son, we, we got the old DVDs and showed them to him, and he would say, he always said, every show, they'll never see us here. Uh, that we get so used to this, we don't understand what darkness does in battle. How many times have you heard of friendly fire? And we're going, why can't they avoid that? Uh, you can't. You can make, uh, now, by the way, if you don't know this, we put tags in uniforms and helmets, and even on uh, firearms sometimes, that if you've got the right goggles on, you can see that's a friendly, that's a friendly. Those things get taken off, torn off, worn by the wrong guy. This is going to become a hugely confusing scene. 
And so the other Gospels are going to chime in with bits and pieces. They don't give us all the pieces. Why? Because they were writing to people who knew the pieces. So we have to put them together the best we can. The betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. When I was a boy, this verse embarrassed my teacher, my minister. And he would bring up correctly that the word Greek in Greek for kiss also means to touch. And so this wasn't a man kissing a man. This was a man, you know, patting him on the back or something. As you would say in Tennessee, bless his heart. In most societies of which I am aware, greeting is very stylized. In Western European, uh, and that's not the only, there are others, you, you, you meet and you do the kiss. And sometimes it's a kiss, sometimes it's a kiss in a general vicinity. Sometimes it's a waving of the head next. It's according to which country you're in, get that right. Um, and know whether you're supposed to go left or right first. I found that out. Because um, if not, you meet in the middle, and that's very embarrassing and hard to explain. Especially if somebody snapped a picture and put it on Facebook. The point I'm trying to get to here is that in their society, uh, the show of love between men was not considered odd. You know, over here it is. If you're at a dance, you know, so you're not a member of the Church of Christ, so you're at a dance... Every now and then you'll see two women or three women dancing with each other. Men generally don't go, well, I don't have a date. You want to go, Albert? You know, we don't do that, do we? No. Uh, same way we don't say, well, I got to go to the bathroom. Who else wants to go with me? You know, we don't do that. We don't hold our meetings in there. We don't know what you women are doing either, but we don't trust you. The, um, in other societies, you'll see men holding hands, and they're not gay. They're not homosexual. This is just a show of friendship. Uh, and, and they will kiss each other on the cheek, and they will say, I love you, and they'll hold each other's head. And we're, we don't do that. We don't do that at all. You do more of that than we do in Breton, you know, because you'll hug people that you just met. You know, I'm British going, is this a wrestling move? Am I going down now? So, am I being arrested? We don't know what you're doing. Um, I remember, I think she was with me. I was at a place where the, the people were going around introducing themselves, um, no, it was actually Franklin that was with me that night uh, at the University of Glasgow. I didn't attend there. There was just a seminar there. So we went, and as people went around introducing ourselves, the people, you know, I said, I, would, I am Mr. Mead. They actually do. They don't say I'm Patrick Mead. Don't, Mr. Mead. Why? Eh, first name's a bit back off. You know, and so here, this makes us feel uncomfortable. Judas went to run up, hey, Jesus, and hugged him. Give him a kiss. That's the hypocritical part that the first century people would have caught, that we don't get. We kind of move right past. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near, well, that's interesting. Don't the other Gospels tell us who it was? Why doesn't this one? Because Peter wrote it <laughs> through Mark. And when you tell your own story, you're allowed to tell it the way you want to tell it. There's this guy out of nowhere, and you're going, Peter, it was you. You know, I couldn't, see, it was dark. It could have been me, but I love that about the Bible. I really do. I just, I find that wonderful and humanizing. 
uh, one of them drew his sword. All right, we're already down. We can actually Venn diagram this thing. Uh, number of disciples, another circle of apostles. Circle of apostles we knew carried swords, zealots. So uh, James, John, and, and Peter, if they were all carrying uh, at the time, we're, we're already narrowing the field. One of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, if you're wondering, as I did when I was eight years old, why did he go for the ear? He didn't. He's going for the head. He missed the ear. Also, in the helmets, very often the helmets did not cover the ear because you needed to be able to hear. So if you hit on top of the helmet, it would slide off. That's what's going on here. He wasn't going for the ear to teach the man a lesson. Am I leading a rebellion? Said Jesus, stop right there. A lot of people thought he was. And for the next 2,000 years, there has never been a time where there has not been one section of Christianity who believes they should be the church militant. Armed to the teeth. Now, a couple of us here, there are some cool members of this church. So a couple of us here have motorcycles or Polaris slingshots, that type of group. And we've thought about forming a gang, but we said gang... Let's, let's not do it, gang. Uh, I was talking to Gary, uh, Roger, one of our, our uh, guys here who retired from the police force, and he said gang wouldn't be the appropriate word. I said, how about religious militia? He didn't care for that one either. <laughs> but for 2,000 years, we have had people who wanted to kill other people in the name of Jesus. Did I say 200? 2,000 years. That has never changed. Now, when we look at Islam, and they've got a... Subs you know, you can throw any figure out there you want to, but it probably is closer to 10% who agree with the radical use of force. Regardless, when you're talking about a billion people, 10% is a lot, right? So I'm not trying to minimize or maximize there. When we look at them, we also need to look at ourselves and realize, what were we doing a couple hundred years ago? Well, you still had need. What were we doing in, in the 60s and 70s in Ireland? Catholics and Protestants are blowing each other up in the name of Jesus. We tend to forget all about that, don't you? We tend to, oh yeah, that's a long time ago. Long time ago. We have always misunderstood God's call to love to mean use force. And I, I don't, I say we, because I've fallen into that trap as well. Did you think I'm leading a rebellion? That you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? He said, you had your chances. Every day, I was with you, teaching in the temple courts. You did not arrest me. Why is he bringing this up? He's reminding them, if the people knew what you were doing, the reason you didn't get me then is because the people would have stopped it. You're coming at night, my private time of prayer, where they can't see you come. You're cowards. That's what Jesus is calling them. He's saying, but they're not the only cowards. Scriptures must be fulfilled, and everyone deserted him and fled. The apostles didn't know what to do. We know from the other Gospels that whenever Peter, that could have been Peter, it was dark. <laughs> I just love that. Because uh, this was circulating where on the, and, and when Matthew saw it and used the same source, he said, Peter. You know, and, and, and that's, but anyway, sword comes, cuts off an ear. Jesus puts it back on. That's pretty cool. Then he tells whoever it was, remember the law, those who live by the sword die by the sword. 
Was he saying that if you use a sword, you are always condemned? No. Remember, John the Baptist had some soldiers come to him and said, we believe, what are our requirements? He said, serve faithfully and don't harm the innocent. Be content with your wages. He never said, you're going to have to leave the army. Never told Cornelius he had to leave the army. There is a, there's, in the Bible, there's a big, big space between killing and murder. And that makes people uncomfortable. And so they run to the edges and become either a form of pacifism, which is absolute, and there are many forms, people, or a form of defense-oriented, uh, defense which, and again, there are many, which becomes more offense-oriented. You know, you, there's, there's room in the middle here. There's room in the middle. Uh, why do we always have to do this? Anyway, they deserted him and fled. They, they don't know what to do. You know, this, this often... Men will come to me sometimes and say, my wife says this, I try this, I don't know what to do. I understand. I understand. Um, you've, women will make a statement of fact. And you can agree or disagree with the fact. What you don't understand is that's a call to action, you've missed it. You know, if, if Cammy says, or even a question, you know, and I use this a lot, this never happened, I'm just using this. If we're driving down the road and Cammy says, would you like some ice cream? I do a little internal audit and say, not really, and I drive home, I'm in trouble. Now, I don't know why, because she wasn't saying she wanted it. She was inquiring upon what my desires were, and I let her know my desires, and I thought the conversation was ended. No, 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 and you're not allowed to know why you're in trouble for a considerable time. Uh, one of these days, I'll be laying in a nursing home, and I'll wake up and my wife's hand is hovering over the life support system plug and I'll say, what, why? And she'll say, because I wanted ice cream, you didn't give it to me. Then I'll learn. Then I'll learn. Not before. There are, sometimes you can, a leader, you can think, I'm, I want to do this for you and you do it and the leader turns back and goes, that's not what I was going for and you get confused and that's what happened to his apostles. We often call them cowards and that's fair. I don't believe they're any more cowardly than we would have been. So let's be honest about that. We're, all not, we're not saying they're worse than us. They, they, they ran because they didn't know what to do. That's really, you won't let us stop them. We're not going to help them. We don't know what to do. So they ran. Also, by the way, remember, this was not a well-let scene with Jesus and Judas here. Then, then you have this triangle going back of the chief priest and and the, and the bad guys, and you have this triangle going back here. So, no, you're scattered on the mountain. Some of you are coming upon the scene, and you're bumping into people with swords and such, and they're turning around saying, do you love Jesus? <laughs> Gone. It's a confusing time. We, we just, we don't get that. Verse 51, a young man. We think we know who this was. John. He was the youngest apostle. Sometimes he would refer to himself, but most of the time he would say, uh, you know, a young man, or more frequently, the apostle whom Jesus loved. I, I find it wonderful that he wrote his gospel after the other apostles were dead. So they couldn't say, what, what, what? What, what, what? It's kind of like when Cammie and I walk into a room and people will look at her and say, oh, you're looking beautiful. I'm standing right there. I'm standing right there and I get nothing. Um, and so I often wonder if the others would have read the book of John and go, Wait a minute. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. 
a scary time. You know, I, I face everything with humor. There are people who find that inappropriate. I don't know how to talk to them. It's how I get through life. It's how I deal with pain. Uh, my childhood, can I lay down and, exp and explain that to you? I, I use humor and story. I, I feel for John. We don't know how old he was. By the way, there are arguments to be made. I, I, I don't accept them yet. But I, I've been reading some people I really respect who believe all of the apostles were teenagers up to about 25 and no older. And that kind of throws a different spin on things because every time I see Peter, he's gray head, little balding, big beard, kind of past his sell-by date, all the pictures I've seen. And yet, the thought of these, it, it just puts a different spin on it. Again, following the discussion, it seems that John was the youngest, most likely close to 17 or so when this all happened. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and the teachers of the law came together. We find out later that not all of them came. In fact, not enough to have a quorum came for the San Sanhedrin. He's using the expression, all of them, not as a precision word, but he uses it the way we do. Everybody's got the flu. We don't mean everybody. We get the point, right? I'm convinced that no matter what the song said in the 70s, not everybody was kung fu fighting. He just saw some, and he extrapolated from the data that he had. Not all of them came, but those that were in on it came. Because there were some like Paul who were in that group of leaders who would not have tolerated this because he followed the law. He believed the law. He would not have accepted this. Many of them were left out that night. He never brings that up, by the way, but that's, I firmly believe it. Peter followed him at a distance. You know something? I'm giving him credit for that. You know, he followed it at, at, at the speed of Peter. And I, All right, fair enough. Right into the courtyard of the high priest. Okay, all right. Peter, Peter just went up a little bit, uh, in my imaginations. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. You're thinking, well, how, how brave is that? Okay, it's a little brave, but not a lot brave. Because you weren't, people didn't wear uniforms. That's also really important. Eventually, people would wear really super fancy uniforms. Lots of braid and gold. And then you stopped that. Because you developed rifles. We only had muskets where you pull the trigger and somebody in that three-county area may get hit. You guys rifled the bullets, you shot, and that made a long-distance shot popular. And, and, and doable. So one of our generals comes out, all braided and such, aha, poof, he's gone. Why? Because they can go, oh, that must be an important guy. And there's a rule in, there's a saying that goes around military circles, look unimportant, they might be running low on ammo. That's, you know, that's why you'll never see a sergeant, for example, even though now they have these very little things, you have to get really close to know, uh, you're not going to see them stand up there and go, no, I'll do this. And they know that you, you die. You do this. So it's dark. You're sitting among all the guards. They, they probably think he's another guard. Warming himself at the fire. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence. And again, the whole Sanhedrin, we find out later, most of them did not show up. That would have been illegal. And also the Sanhedrin was not allowed to meet unless everybody was there they could not meet at night, and they had to meet in a public place. So this was all dirty. 
this was dirty from beginning to end. They were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. So they arrested you. We'll cook up the evidence. How crooked can people be? Does this surprise anybody? Not because it's Jews. If you think that first, we, you and I need to talk a lot. I'm saying because people and government, yeah, and leaders, and, and, but people will often throw their morality aside to protect their moral system. Think about that. We'll throw away our morality in order to protect it. That's what they're doing. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We've heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. I want to stop for just a minute. They gave this false testimony against him. Didn't he say something pretty close to this? The reason the testimony was false was because they were taking it out of context. When you do that, you are, you are lying. We tend to do that. We do. I, am, I, I haven't voted for a winner in the presidential stakes for many, many years, so don't try to get me on one side or the other. But it was heartbreaking that instead of, well, he's going there to visit, people had to talk about, well, she's wearing inappropriate shoes. Really? That's what Twitter and Facebook and the news went all over about. Uh, there comes a time we really need to back off the hate. I don't care if they're left, right, or middle. Just back it off. And allow things... And when she got off the, the plane to actually work with people, she was wearing sensible shoes. And that didn't make the news. Why? We've got to keep it out of context to make our point. I, I thought about bringing, because I just, I hate anything that smells of politics. I wanted to bring in a slide. In Philadelphia, there is a political and a fashion editor who's the same person. It's the fashion of politics. Philadelphia Inquirer, one of the top ten in papers of the U.S. And it had, there are two different articles. One's a picture of Hillary Clinton. Um, I think I'm supposed to call her Secretary Clinton. And uh, the other was Melania, and she was at the, the nominating convention thingy. They were both wearing all white. The headline over Hillary was, this, uh, her fashion makes a powerful statement about the renewal of the country. The one over Melania was, a very scary message is being given by this all white outfit. And I'm going, before I write a hate letter to Philadelphia Inquirer, how many times have I done the same thing? The same thing. Because you said it, it's wrong. He said it, it's right. You see what I mean? They were saying what Jesus said pretty close to it, really. It would have passed in a court of law, I think. They took it out of the context of his life, death, and resurrection. So that's what the sin is. I'd ask us once again, don't take it out of context. And one of your former preachers here was Joe Beam. Joe Beam has changed his mind about a lot of things in his life. And one of his lines I stole many years ago. I told him I stole it. So I think that makes it legit. He said, 
go ahead and quote me, but date me. Because I might have changed. I, I, I love that line. I remember before I moved here, we wanted to make everything light. You know what you do before you move. You get rid of all the stuff that you wonder why you had it in the first place. So back in the day, kids, you actually wrote down sermons on pieces of paper and you kept them. Didn't have electronic copies. I could not believe how many of my sermons I was shredding. Oh, my goodness. They're a big basket. Has that ever happened to you, Albert? You're going, oh, I can't believe I said that. Let's hope nobody has a recording. They always do. Then a high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? Isn't that interesting? All of these things and nothing provable, nothing agrees, and yet the high priest is going to act like, well, you better answer these charges. Polit newspapers do that to politicians left and right every day. Aren't you going to answer the charges? No. What charges? Nothing's been proven. But Jesus remained silent, gave no answer. Because he could have. I want you to remember this. Jesus could have answered this stuff and ended the whole thing. He could have brought this kangaroo court down like that. But that wasn't the plan. So he was quiet. The high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, he said. Now, one of the other Gospels points it a little bit more personal. The answer of Jesus is, you have said that I am. And that's when he gets hit. And he is, he is knocked down for this. What's he saying? He's saying, you know I am, but you're killing me to keep your power. You're killing me to keep your position. Remember, we looked at that parable, didn't we? The guy that owns the field, he gets, he gets some of the rent and produce from the field, so he sends a worker, they kill the worker, thinking, yay, now we get to keep the field. How stupid is that? And eventually it ratchets up to where he sends his son, thinking, they will not dare to touch my son. And their response is, hey, if we kill the kid, then we inherit the field, which is stupid at all levels. And yet that's what's going on in this courtroom. They know he's the Messiah. They know. But they think if they kill him, God's got to keep them they might go into captivity for a while. But God's got to keep them because God's only got one people and we're it. We, we need to be very careful. We never get that, that attitude. You know, I, I love 4th Avenue. This is my home. I plan to die here, not this week, but you know, in a reasonable length of time. I've had, I've had preacher friends of mine say, I hope I die in a pulpit. Not me. That would terrify the kids. Wouldn't it? Plus, everybody in the room, they wouldn't say it out loud. They'd be thinking, we might be in the wrong church. God's killing the preachers. I would be. You can stand and sing all you want to. You know, I'm, I'm Marine crawling under the pews and hitting the door, thinking, I don't know what he was saying, but I, don't th I think God disagrees with it. I'm thinking of so many stories right now. <laughs> we did a fake debate in one of our teen groups. There is a God, there is not a God. And there is not a God guy was up there and he was ridiculing and railing and there was a storm outside and the power went off. And it got really quiet in that room. It was night, so it was dark. And finally he said, I, I, I didn't mean it. And we, we just cracked up. It was wonderful. I was a teen at the time too. It was, it was, it was great. Uh, he says, I am. 
I've had people tell me Jesus never said he was the son of God. He did so, so many times. Read it. He absolutely did. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming in the clouds of heaven. In other words, you're not getting away with this. Normally, when we say that, we mean, I want to get to court on you, which you have the right to do. Or, I want to shoot you, which you might have the right to do. This is Tennessee. It's always an option. Um, in Detroit, it's kind of mandatory, actually. So we, we're trying to make the adjustment down here. Um, Jesus, when he says you're not getting away with it, means I'll deal with you later. We need, like Romans 12, to say, I will not take my vengeance. We're going to let Jesus deal with this later. That is so hard, isn't it? It's so hard. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He didn't have any witnesses. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? Well, to a Jew, if he didn't believe that he was the Messiah, that was blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Well, that's very interesting. They didn't condemn him to death because they couldn't. The Romans had removed from them the right or the ability to carry out the death penalty. Now, they did that for a variety of reasons. Um, and wow, we could really go into the weeds looking at those. But you just need to know, they know they can't kill him. So they all say, he is worthy of death. And then they beat him. They spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fist, and said, prophesy. And the other gospels will say what that is. They would, they would tie him up, or the, you know, tied, but he was also blindfolded, and they would hit him and say, if you're so smart, tell us who hit you. Ridicule and beating. I say once again, I say this a lot, because television is a lie. Movies are a lie. You've never seen anybody beaten up on TV. You see somebody beaten up, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you cannot recognize them for weeks as swelling and rewiring has to go. The tongue has to be put back together the best they can because of, it's been punched through, it's been bitten through. It is horrendous. And it wasn't just the face that was going for him. Please remember, when Jesus was on the cross, when he said things, the people below couldn't figure out what he was saying. And if you're thinking, well, because it's high. The crosses were not high. That's a Hollywood and an artist invention. Crosses, the feet would be that low. And they would lean you forward a little bit to have more pain on the nails, but also to allow people as they walked by to ridicule you and strike you. That was part of the, the whole thing. Or if you were their loved ones, you had to look at them almost eye to eye as they suffered and died. Romans didn't put it up out of sight. They put it way down. They were masters at this. Jesus was then given on a pole, so he's going to be a little, little bit higher, or the elevation of the ground is different. Uh, remember a little, something to drink? And when he tasted it and realized what it was, you, it was vinegar and such. Couldn't you smell it? His nose was gone. At that stage, your nose is gone. It, it doesn't hold up to a beating. Um, you've seen boxers who've lost the cartilage. And that, you, the boxer's nose and the cauliflower ears and such. I'm saying all that to say it's almost skipped over in the Gospels. And because of this, we paint this picture of a Jesus on a cross you can still recognize. 
That, that would have been hard. That would have been hard to know. Uh, that, that whole Pontus Pilate thing about putting up on top, this is Jesus, they tended to put names on top and then your crime to show don't do the crime, but also to identify, oh yeah, that's him. Because by the time you got to the cross, you were already beaten, ripped apart. I don't mean to go into, you know, I don't, I don't like to be one of those ministers that gins up all kinds of emotions. That's not what we're trying to do here. Just deal with the reality that Jesus and the cross, he suffered a whole long time before he got there. And there were consequences physiologically. In fact, that could be one of the reasons why the men of Emmaus didn't recognize him. And where to Thomas, he had to show him where the wounds were before Thomas got it. Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came by. That's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You are also with that Nazarene, Jesus. He denied it. I don't know or understand where you're, what, what you're talking about and went out into the entryway. Servant girl saw him there and she said again to those standing there, that fellow's one of them. Again, he denied it. After a while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean. We don't really get that either. All right. His speech was giving him away. Have you ever noticed in scripture how many times when the people began to speak, they will say, when they heard them speak, they knew they had been with Jesus? It's the accent. People from Nazareth, Galilee in particular, uh, as well, but Nazareth in particular, were looked upon as having a hick accent, a country bumpkin accent. Therefore, nobody took him seriously. It was considered that you could not teach them a foreign language, which is why the people were surprised in Acts 2 that they're speaking in other languages. It was considered that their speech was so poor you could not teach them a foreign language. Think of that. So Peter can't, when he speaks, you know he's not from here. Right? There, there is an accent in mid-Tennessee. There are several because people move here. And I, I, love, I love hearing, it's very musical, I love it. Cammy and I are sitting over here for a while. We like to move about, you know, so, so that you never know, like, like preacher in a box, we just jump up, there you are. Uh, but we're over here for a while. And there's some little girls sit behind us that are just darling. And during Albert's prayer, one of them pointed over at the cross, evidently, because the answer I got. She goes, that's Jesus over there. Now, there only has two, acts, two syllables in some areas. Right? And her mama goes, yes, that's where the cross is. And she's answering. And I thought it was a beautiful moment, a, a lovely moment. I, I was going, oh, I want to buy the kid something now. It's a, I'm a, oh, I'm, I'm a granddad. Um, his accent was giving him away. He couldn't hide. And so he's, he's being betrayed by his own accent. And that's, um, so they keep trying, you're a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock rose twice, you'll disown me three times, and he broke down and wept. Now, some manuscripts just say before the cock crows, some of our earliest ones. Others say it's three times. And people go, well, how do we make this all balance? Would you, would you stop it? What's the point of the story? 
And the reason people want to make it all balanced is because they believe that God um, dictated every single word that we have in our Bible written down to the apostles. Really? When Paul says, I didn't baptize any there. Well, I did baptize these, but if there were any others, I forget. Did God write that? No. Paul did. Was Paul in communication with God? Absolutely. But the dictation thing, we were told that God gave the donkey the words to say to Balaam. Okay. I'm pretty sure the donkey didn't form his own words, and so I, I get that. I don't think that, that God told the donkey, we're going to let you talk for a few minutes, uh, organize your thoughts. I don't think he did that. But we get silly sometimes, and we start going back and forth on this two times, three times. Now, when did the cock crow? Because that differs as well. Like I said last week, that's the, like the people that want to study the flood and Noah's Ark, but immediately try to figure out the square footage required for each hyena. You're losing the point. It's, it's, rather, it's rather like being trapped in a discussion with a couple. You've been there. If you cannot recall one like this, you're the couple. Whenever they start to tell a story, one day, it was a Tuesday, I was going, I think it was a Wednesday. Not, it, was a it was a Tuesday. No, it was a Wednesday, because I get my hair done on Wednesdays. And I can remember, no, it's Tuesday. And, and I'm, I'm just, on behalf of all humanity, we don't care. <laughs> get to the story. I'll go further. On behalf of mammals. All mammals, mammalian life, worldwide, present, and those who have gone on to their mammalian reward, nobody cares. You know, and now it's, it's different from thinking a different point. When I go to a wedding, my wife has different, you know, she's, she's noticing shoes, candles, songs. I'm there for the cake. I'll notice the cake. But this is different. Don't let this, don't, don't let people throw you sideways on this. This made a national TV show. At the time, my favorite show was House. I liked it because it dealt with medical um, things going on, and that's kind of what I did and do, and so I, I work with that. That's kind of fun. I liked it also because Hugh Laurie the Brit uh, is a British comic actor who learned how to talk like an American. Amazing. Um, and so that, that always got to me. And I, it just, I enjoyed that bit. But he had a nun who was dying of something, I forget what it was, but it's not sarcoidosis because they always rule that out in the first 10 minutes. Seriously, every show, oh, it's not sarcoidosis. We started using that in the house. You know, my foot hurts. Well, it's not sarcoidosis. We're going to... Um, but it, there, he argues with the nun about, well, if you believe the Bible, tell me why, you know, it's so inaccurate, we can't believe anything. And she's going, well, why do you think that? Well, with Peter, and, and he, does, he does that whole thing. If you're not prepared to answer such things, you can get trapped. The answer is, it's because the writers didn't care where it took place. They cared that it did. It's the thing that it did. That's the point of the story. I've gone to movies before, and I've walked out going, that was great, a war movie. Oh, that was great. And the guy beside me, they were, you know that one guy that was over here? He was wearing a tab that was complete, that they didn't wear that tab. And that, I'm going, seriously? That's what you were doing? 
You were being fashion editor. Anyway, I don't go to movies with him anymore at all. I've been busy every time he calls. Now, should we use humor at times like this? That's a good question. The answer is yes, because it will get you through. If you don't believe me, I want you to go talk to anybody in this room or anybody you know who's been in combat, who's watched anybody die. Don't have to even go there. Go down to the hospital and ask ER people how they get through their day. Fire people, same way. And when you get fire people and medical people and military people in the same room, I would advise leaving the room if you are tender of sensibilities. But humor's how they get up the next morning. My son in the Marine Corps was an official Marine Corps, but he had a T-shirt that said, when you die, we're splitting up your stuff. You would think that seems uncaring, but no, that gets him through the day. He also had another one that said, Marine Corps sniper, if you run, you'll only die tired. I've, we ask him not to wear that one to church. Or maybe he should. Anyway, the point is, it is, it is 11.45, I, I did do a 30-minute sermon in 17 minutes. I do want credit. Somebody call Guinness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. do you want, and you want me to do that every Sunday? No, uh-uh, no. You're going to have to give a lot more before I shorten sermons. <laughs> but now would be a good time, if you have children, to collect them. Please try to correct your own 